Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Queen's Comic Podcast. I'm Billy Bombs. I'm Ian. And here we're going to talk about uh, all the things we truly love, which is comics. Comics. We love them. But we're going to start off with something uh, where we uh, we talked about Al Je- uh, Jeffy passing away a few weeks ago, a few episodes back. And uh, a lot of people have been selling their uh, mad magazines, trying to get, um, to get you know, to get them sold, to try and see if they can make some. But I wanted to get Ian's take on, like, um, how hard is it to move a mad magazine as a seller? And how a lot of people are not into uh, magazines as they used to be, especially comedy ones. So, I don't have a lot of Mad Magazine experience, honestly. I, I buy the early stuff, like the reprints of the early stuff when they were comic book sized and had the EC logo on them, because I'm an EC nerd. Of course. And I bought it <clears throat> semi-regularly when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I never held on to them. Um, They're meant to be read. They're meant to be have fun Absolutely. With. The, those fold-ins, the f- you know, bingo. They, they're hard to find in nice shape because of the fold-ins, because they were sold to kids. Kids read them, which is what they were supposed to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know there are people out there who are hardcore Mad Magazine collectors. Like, even on the EC Facebook group, there's people who, like, they're showing off their Mad collections. And it's impressive stuff. It's really cool stuff. But I don't have a Mad Magazine collection. So I I know what you mean, though, with the, like, magazine-sized stuff. People don't – not people not wanting it. Like, I understand what you mean there. Like, there's people who want – Specific runs of specific magazines. There's people who collect Savage Sword of Conan, for example. Yes, 100%. But I don't know why it is that there's an objection to magazine-sized format books. Likewise, uh, some of the best Marvel stuff from the 80s and late 70s was all uh, magazine format. Mm -hmm. And I love those. I fucking love those. They went magazine-sized because they could get away with not having the Comics Code Authority logo on it. So they could... Oh, that came up today in in the thrift store. Okay. The, the, um, one of the young men got a book. He, one of our listeners, we were talking about the podcast, but then he pulled out a Punisher on the electric chair again and electrocuted. Okay. And I said, that's a definite anti, that's definitely not allowed in the code. That was, that was the Punisher magazine reprints? No, no, it was a recent issue. It was a recent issue. Oh, well, they don't do the code anymore. No, 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 but it was like early 2000s, I'd okay. say. And uh, he was like, really? You're not allowed electric chair? I was like, yeah, that was one of the big things. I'm trying to find Captain Marvel Jr. Mm-hmm. 13 that has him on the electric chair. But that's the whole thing about the code. For Mad Magazine, what the weird part is, I love all that first couple of issues where it's more comic book. But once Alfred E. Newman became on the cover, I don't see a lot of people picking them up. Like uh, the first couple of issues, the EC stuff, yes. Mm-hmm. But 60s and 70s, I see them sit and collect a lot of those. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a bigger market for them online. I want to say yes, but they're very uh, oriented to that day of the week. Like, are, whatever the politics were, was that yes, that time? Yes, okay. And that makes it, that's an interesting point, because, yeah, they're exactly, they're a very much a product of their time. Mm-hmm. And what's funny in uh, April of 1982 might not be funny in May of 2023, yep. unless you were around. And 100%. then you're going to get a nostalgia rush, and you're going to get the jokes. But a kid who was born in 2000, a 23-year-old kid is going to look at that and say, I don't understand it. Who's Ronald Reagan? Right. Or who's Bill Clinton? Who's right. uh, all this? Like, and it's funny you mention that because my wife and I were talking about Mad Magazine like a week or so ago, and she said she'd buy it occasionally as a kid, yeah. not, not being a comic nerd at all, and that half the jokes went over her head because she was young, yeah. and some of the jokes were geared towards a more adult audience, and some of them were political, and as a little kid, she just didn't get the jokes. Yeah, and what <laughs> kills me, though, is the personality they would write about. Like, sometimes they'll write about a stand-up comedian, and they're like, I haven't heard of that guy ever. Mm-hmm. And he was big in 85 or 91, but he wasn't big now. And It's like Andrew Dice Clay. He was huge at one point, but not anymore. You right, know? right. But anyway, we just wanted to hit on that one. The magazines, my big thing for Marvel books and DC, uh, they, have a, they have a science fiction collection that's very good that's written by, like, uh, 
Harlan Ellison, and uh, if I say his name right, yeah, that's right. and George R. R. Martin wrote two of them, and um, reprints of some of the guy from the Dune books. It's a comic, so those are cool. What's that one called? I'm, I'm, it's a Dune. It's a Dune. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm just. It's one of the Dune stories. Is like uh, you know because there's like 40 books afterwards. DC put out a Dune collection. Not a collection, just a single uh, prestige format. I huh. may be wrong, but I have a feeling it is because it was all the big sci-fi people. There's one for. Um, uh, Ray, Bray, uh, Bra- uh, Ray Bradbury. Okay. And then there was one for the guy, Orson Scott Card, who wrote uh, Ender's Game. Okay. I don't so, know those books. I know that Marvel did that DC adaptation in the 80s of the Lynch film that oh, yeah, Bill Sankiewicz drew that. I've got those. Those are pretty cool, just for the Sankiewicz art. No, I'm talking about the magazine size format. Okay. Yeah, they <laughs> just started doing weird reprints. Or they would try out new books. That's why you have like uh, Savage Sword Swashbucklers from Marvel, and you're like, what the hell is this? That was epic. That was regular comic size. Though. No, 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 the big one. There's oh, there's a, a graphic one. novel. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Collect, I collect the oversized books. That's the, 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 okay, so you're talking about the original '80s Marvel graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah, there's like 75 of them, uh-huh. and I have like a good 50 or so. I have a yeah, lot. Yeah, I, have, I have the rights and ones, and I have the New Mutants one, and I think yeah, I have the Death of Captain Marvel one kicking around somewhere. Yeah, I have the, some of the bigger ones. The best one on that whole run is the Inhumans one. Never read that one. That one is amazing. Yeah. The X-Men one I remember being fairly good, but I haven't read it. Oh, yeah. Got Man Loves, God Kills. Yeah. I mean, God Loves, Man Kills. One or the other, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love that stuff. I love Prestige Format. Mm. Um, uh, but Marvel has a lot of other ones that are harder to get. Like, uh, there's one where the Living Pharaoh, I think it is, destroys the Twin Towers. So a lot of people bought that up after 9-11. Um, a lot of other ones were great Hulk covers and great Punisher covers. Oh, the Rampaging Hulk magazine? Yeah, that yeah. was cool. And you've got Moon Knight stories in some of those, too. And the painted covers are beautiful. They are. <clears throat> Early Joe Jusco covers on some of those. Yeah, Joe Jusco did a lot. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Joe Jusco, who wants to do a comic party one day, but I don't you know absolutely how. should. Yeah, I keep telling these people, come, I'll give you a table. You yeah. Come hang out. Yeah. You know, but let's see. Uh, people are still getting over uh, the endemic, so let's see how it goes from there. Right, right. Um, the other thing we were talking about, um, also, it seems like the down, 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 downward spiral of people putting CGC books for pressing. And it weirds me out because they were so big for so long. So during the comic boom, the COVID comic boom, yeah, everybody and their brother was throwing books at CGC to the point where, what was it, like a nine-month, 10-month, sometimes 12-month turnaround on stuff. Now they've beefed up their staffing and solved some of those problems since they got bought by was one of those giant investment companies. I can't oh, they got bought out by um, Blackthorn, is it? Maybe it's something it's, like that. Um, it's New York. It's a New York rapper owns part of that company. Yeah. that's why he bought it. And I'm having a brain fart because I was just watching him and Rick Rubin go through their best um, acapella a rap song, uh, Jay Z. Okay. Jay Z right. and uh, and he's a partial owner of that company or complete owner for all I know. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's it's like publicly traded, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but he's definitely one of the founders in there. Right. And uh, they bought it, and they didn't raise the price right away. No, they, they waited. They waited, but yeah. they also raised the quality where they could do more. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know where everybody just slowed down. It was like everybody stopped at the same time. So I wonder how much of that is just the fact that like the COVID boom speculator market of 2020, 2021 is gone. Pretty much gone. It's a absolutely a buyer's market right now. It's not a seller's market. Yeah. Well, and we so went- if you're not going to be selling stuff for top dollar like you were a couple of years ago, is it even worth getting graded? Yeah, 100%. The other thing... A lot of people don't want to buy graded books because they want to read them. Yes, yes. We, I, I used to think people were weird telling me that, that they would crack it open. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you, nuts? But now I understand that, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. And, and so there's two ways looking at it. Like, if you're buying a comic book as an investment, then yeah, fine, put it put it in a case. 
especially if it's like an old Silver Age book or an old Golden Age book, something that's, you know, super valuable, worth thousands of dollars. I understand wanting to preserve and protect that. But if it's a book that came out in the last couple of years, first of all, if you don't get a 9-8, you're wasting your money. Yes. Because no one's going to want it. Yeah, it and, killed me on one book. Everything, yeah. something's killing the children. Mm-hmm. It came out as a 9-6. Yeah. And it, it it killed me. Yeah. It killed me because I didn't realize how much, it was worth more raw. Right, exactly. Um, I had that experience with, um, was it Secret Wars issue two with the first God Doom Emperor, Emperor Doom oh, okay. appearance. And it had, I, I found the variant cover with uh, Marco Dijovic, one in 25 variant cover. And I was like, this is a cover buy, so I'm going to slab it. And at the time, slab copies were going for like 300 bucks. Wow. So I was like, okay, cool. Because I got it for a dollar. I yeah, got yeah. it a dollar bin. So I looked it over. I thought it was a beautiful copy. I sent it off. I did not notice a slight crease on the back cover. And it came back in 8.5. <laughs> a slight crease, 8.5? Yeah. Like, you wasted, yeah. what is it, 40 bucks? Yeah. So it's worth more raw. That's brutal. Yeah. Um, and then the worst part is we were complaining about magazines earlier. I sent out a magazine. It took 18 months to come mm-hmm. back. And I just got World War One, World War Three Illustrated number one back. Yeah. 9.0. I'm the only of two people with a grade in the world. Uh-huh. 9.2 and 9.0. There could be ones out there, but we're all 18 months apart. Yep. I bought um, on eBay. I was, I'm trying to finish my New York City Outlaws run. And I found copies of issue two and issue four slabbed for $10.50 each. Oh, my God. So one of them was a 9.4. The other one was a 9.6. And I'm like, these are cheaper than raw copies. Yeah, 100%. So I bought them because I want the books, and I haven't cracked them open because they're the highest graded copies in the world. <laughs> yeah, like, do you have a way of reading the book without opening it? No. Or? It's oh, driving me nuts. Um, I did find a second copy of one of them in a dollar bin a while back, so I'm good on that one. But issue two, I still don't have a, a reader's copy. Now, they're doing a collected edition, I think, later this year. Excellent. So I'll probably just wait. But... It's still, like, I see it, and it kind of bothers me. I'm like, I can't read that book. Did you crack and finally grab commies from Mars? No, no, I haven't yet. That, I will. That one, I, I will always find that for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I will get you a copy. All right, give me a copy. Um, well, here's another thing that kind of bugs me out. Is the Funko market crashed, and uh, we've been seeing people selling them like crazy, and I'm so confused by that. It's like CGC and, and Funko at the same time was, like, joined together from the COVID boom. I think so, yeah. And uh, we have a friend who owns the store who sells he sells more Beanie Babies than he does Funkos now. Yeah. And that is insane. Mm-hmm. Beanie Babies are back, dude. <laughs> yeah, but they all... never went away, really. There's always been a market for them, but they seem to be, like, trending up, and I don't get that. There's a okay. store that opened in my neighborhood selling Beanie Babies, like, a couple months ago. How much? I don't know. I don't go in. I don't care. I'd, I'd go in and buy <laughs> comics to the back. They don't. No. Uh, it's, it used to be a shoe repair store. Now they have shoe repair and Beanie Babies. Oh, you get a baby baby while you wear fish. Yes, I guess. It's one of those things that, like, only in New York. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the only place that I can sell hot dogs and comics at the same time. Yep. And it's all dirty water dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a weird collection the other day of weird books, and I got a book I was looking for for a long time, a trade, but I didn't want to tell nobody I was looking for because the guy is, like, such a lightning rod now. Not as bad as other, like, comic skaters. It's uh, Doug Tenepole. I don't know him. He created Earthworm Jim. Oh, okay. Yeah. It has to be a right winger, but he has a trade that um, that's right there behind you. You can grab it, that one that I've always been looking for called Creature Something. Was it Creature Tech? Creature Tech, because he has really funny stories, but they never come out. Because ever since he became like more of a uh, right wing type guy, it ruined all his comedy for everybody. So he kind of got canceled. Yeah, 
Like I, I, I like I don't know if it's done any effect to him because he was already like kind of a like a like like already a recluse with comics. Mm. But his art's cool. Yeah, I love I love the art. Not for familiar with style. this book at all. Yeah, me too. But try finding it by accident in a collection you just pull in. You're like, oh, what the deuce? It happens, man. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Forest Hills High School. Oh yeah, we did a we did a comic show at Forest Hills High School. It was a blast of fun. Because there was just so many young people there, but at the same time, we're in a high school gym, and mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever worked in a high school gym before. No, it was, it was, I haven't been to a high school since I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. And that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And now as an adult, the stuff you notice, like there's a drainage thing in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. Under every seat is a drain pipe. Why is that? I don't know. People pee in on the bleachers and I, stuff? I guess so. And I was like, why do we have that? Do you they go, hose down the gym, maybe? I think they just hose everything down and let it go down the drain. But it was weird. Like a friend, a friend texted me while we were set up there, and he said, "How's the show going?" And I said, "Everyone here is loud and hormonal." And then I stand oh, by that. I haven't it. been forget. surrounded by teenagers on mass in a long, long time. And the show was a blast. I'm glad we did it. It was a lot of fun. But I was like, "Whoa, too many teenagers." Yeah. <laughs> the guy running it was such a sweet man. He was awesome. That he guy pizza for everybody. Treated <laughs> us like royalty. Yeah. And I think I told you at the end of the show. Just for those listening, Billy and I were the only ones selling actual comic books at this comic convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There Everybody people, else was just artists. People selling toys. There were artists. People selling shirts and comic-related stuff. But the only table that had comic books was ours. And so we had a pretty steady crowd throughout the day. Like, I didn't really make any money. But, yeah, me neither. but it was fun. I mean, we only brought cheap stuff. It's not like we brought you know, expensive collector's items books because high school kids never have any money. Even in Forest Hills, they don't have any money. And, I mean, even before we opened, one girl showed up and grabbed, like, a stack of, like, 30 books that I had, like, $2 a piece on. And she only had, like, 20 bucks. And I was like, just take them. Just take them yeah, for 20 Because she, she was so excited about them, and I couldn't say no. And she was, like, this nice little 14-year-old girl. And she was, like, and it was all Nightwing. Yes, it's funny, because the, the day before the show, I was like, I went to Anthony's place. And Anthony had a big dollar sale. And he was like, fill up a box cheap. I'll cut you a deal. So I'm like... I need stock. I need cheap stock for the Forest Hills High School show because I only want to bring cheap books. High school girls, what are they into? Probably Harley Quinn. So I grabbed like 50 Harley Quinn books. I didn't move a single one of them, but all the Nightwing books that I had, and I had like 20 or 25 of them, they all sold to teenage girls. So I think teenage girls are into Nightwing. Well, remember the girl recognized me from Forest Hills? Yes, uh, yes, that's the girl. That's the girl with all the Nightwing books. Yeah, she was great. Her and her friend, another Mm -hmm. young lady, who had an, uh, who came in with a great green arrow shirt? Yeah, they bought for me from Royals Convention called Royal Con mm-hmm. near Forest Hills High School, but they collect some of the best comics. Yeah, the girl in the green arrow shirt came by with uh, somebody who I assume was her boyfriend, and they were super nice, super polite. And she, was, I asked her about her shirt. I'm like, do you actually do you read Green Arrow stuff, or you just know it from the TV show? She's no, I read it, I read it, but I don't know a lot of the older stuff. And I had the first issue of the reprint of the, the Hard Traveling Heroes. Yeah, and I, oh, and, yeah, I remember. remember yeah, yeah, and, and I, I was like, you need this book. And she was like, oh, I don't know. I don't have any money. And, you know, she had spent. I said, just take it. I said, if you're a Green Arrow fan, you need to read this. Yeah, and I told her, I like, this is where it all changed. Like, this is where comics got gritty and started dealing with real world issues. And, like, I said, I don't want to spoil it, but Speedy's a heroin junkie. <laughs> Both young ladies were into such uh, well-written books. Mm. The, the first one we were talking about, which I never got their names, uh, she collected Chip Zdarsky's Run of Daredevil. She liked the heaviness of it. Yeah. And she bought all of them. I was mm. selling them for $10. Not at this show, but at Royal Con. 
ten dollars a piece. She kept coming back, and yeah. I was like, I cut her a deal because I was so happy to have somebody to talk about comics. Yep, yep. And um, and the same thing with Nightwing. Nightwing is one of the well, one of the best written books in the last couple of years. It's a fun read for yeah. sure. I just for whatever reason I didn't think that like the audience for Nightwing would would be comprised of teenage girls. Uh, yeah, but it yeah. is. But it makes sense though because he's like a hunk. Right, yeah. and they do the beefcake covers on some yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you think about what teenage boys are buying or gravitate to, bikini covers, girly art, stuff like that, you know, can't help but pay attention to that when you're going through puberty. Almost <laughs> oh, definitely. Uh, what'd you pick up at the show? Did you grab anything? No. Yeah, I picked I, up some pizza. <laughs> I, got I, some I pizza. grabbed the uh, prints from a friend of you where they made the Ramones prints. Yes, John. I love them. Yeah. I have to frame them. I frame. Uh, you're gonna laugh. Uh, our second bathroom in the basement is all Ramones stuff on the wall. I'm going to so, go pee down there later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I haven't framed them yet, but I have the big poster from the movie, uh, from the museum over in the Museum of Science. Oh, when they had the Ramones exhibit? Yeah, so I have the, the, the map they mm-hmm. made that's like Long Island. Right. <laughs> so I want to put the prints in there, and then um, I want to get a couple of photos up. And real quick, so I don't forget, Queen's Comic Court is trying to do a Ramones tribute t-shirt. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you're stealing that logo. I was like, the logo is a dollar bill. Yeah. And... And I went into construction yesterday. And there's a group in the construction company called the Shapiros. And they had the Ramones logo with all their names on it mm-hmm. as their uh, construction company. I was like, man, I'm going to do what I want. We could do it. We could do it. It's yeah. just we've got to make it different enough that you don't get sued. And they're not going to sue it. anyway because it's the Ramones and they're like Queens people, but we're not selling a million shirts. No, we're probably not even selling 20. I'll sell 20. All right. I can sell, <laughs> I can sell, I can sell ice to an uh, Eskimo. I'm good. But like, we'll have fun with it. Um, but at the end of the at the end of the show, I think I don't know if you'd gone to the bathroom or you were talking to somebody on the other side. But the guy who ran the show and I can't remember his name. He came up to me and he said, "I just want to thank the two of you for showing up." He said, "I see kids walking around here with stacks of comic books in their hand, and they only could have come from one place, and that's you guys. So thank yeah, you yeah. for showing up and selling the kids cheap comic books, and like that made it all worthwhile." Hundred you know? percent. And he treated us like kings. That ice cream, get yeah, this. Free ice cream, free guy. drinks, free chips. The one, the one <laughs> thing pizza. that made my day the most was all the young guys buying the prints mm-hmm. and then asking me to help them close them up in the seal. And yeah, how show. did that happen? You all, there was, was like, like a small wrong. army of like young, 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 young dudes with yeah. prints who didn't know how to put them in envelopes. And I was like, yeah, I got you. And I told them how to push out the air and uh-huh. frame it this way, frame it that way. It was just good because they were like, thank you for being nice. Yeah. And I was like, what is wrong with people that they have to ask me to thank you for being nice? Or like nowadays, not everybody's nice, and especially comic people. Like, please be better. No, there's a lot of douchebags out there. Well, um, the other show I learned that real quick on uh, the Long Island Hot Flip show. Mm-hmm. Um, one, no, no, I'm lying. Hot Flips. We'll talk about another time. It was the Sunset Park show. We did a show at Loren Bar on 40th Street. Oh, comics like and that. cocktails. Comics and cocktails. Great guys. They saw what we did with Queen's Comic Party. Where it's like Scholastic Book Fair with alcohol. So they did the same thing. They found the bar in Sunset Park. And I spoke to him. I said, oh, you got to talk to the other guys who book up here. And there's other guys. I was like, yes. There's Jack Kirby Podcast. Does a show up there every other month. Mm-hmm. And it's just a mostly artist. But the people that were coming to the table and I talked to them about comics, they were like, yo, people are not nice to us when we buy comics. I was like, yo, but bro, you just pulled out a stack of books. Why would I not be nice to you? Right, Exactly. And he was like, no, it's not. It's like very impersonal. And they were like complaining about bigger cons. Nobody wants to talk to them. And mind you, these are men. These yeah. are like not kids. And right. I was like, imagine what kids get when people go up there. You got to treat people like be talk nice. to them. Be Just cool. Be nice. Yeah, man. But it's like comics are easy, man. Like it's life outside of you that's hard. Especially at a show like 
regardless of which side of the table you're on, if you're there to sell or you're there to buy or you're there to do a little bit of both, you should be there for the love of the medium first. Mm-hmm. If you make some money doing on it, doing it, then fine. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Make the hobby pay for itself, right? But if you're there just for the money, like the market's pretty dead right now. Go find something else to do. Leave the comics for the people who love comics. You're killing me a little bit because I have a, I have a, I was going to tell you this off air, but I'll tell you on air because some people need to hear this. The one thing we always get invited for is um, paneling. Mm. And it's, 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 always, it's never panned out. But we'll go and we'll do panel. Me, you, uh, some of the guys from Midtown will come. They got no problem to talk about buying comics and grading and all that stuff. You're an indie guy. I'm more of a bulk guy and like basic day-to-day making transactions. And the Midtown guys are graders. They know where the grades and they right. pay our collection. So we're a perfect combo for this. But it's never panned out. Because they always prefer some new guy who sells comics. And I remember one of the guys at the shows was telling me how, like, oh, yeah, I buy in bulk. And I was like, then we start talking about comics. I was like, you ever read this? He was like, I've never read a comic book in my life. Right. And I was like, why'd you get into it? So like, I just wanted to do another job. Yep. I know, I know guys who buy comics and don't read them. They buy them to flip them. And again, I mean, I can't really chastise them for that too hard because I would be lying if I said I don't buy stuff to flip. You'd be lying if you said the same yeah, thing. 100%. We both do. But at least I know what I'm doing. At least right. I know in my form. Right. And, you know, I, I, I buy more for myself than I do to sell <laughs> way more for myself, which is becoming a problem. And that's why I'm going to have to sell more off is because I'm out of space. But we're start using my storages. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, 70% of what's in my boxes that are for sale is stuff that I bought to read. And yeah. if I didn't enjoy it or it wasn't my thing i was like i'm never going to read this again then maybe it goes in the sale box but, yeah that makes sense yeah um, i'm the same way um, i'm more of a trade guy now because i want to read it again but even i stopped that because i'm like i don't really need this or i'm not going to collect this now my thing is like the story that goes with the book right where did i get this why i got this um who i met along the line now it's like uh, my goal is to be part of your history right and the one thing i always tell people don't be the villain in somebody's life story but definitely be a part of their story along the route. And then you can talk about stuff and all that stuff and you change stuff. And I had a moment, I might tear up on this. I met a, a man yesterday that was so into Pokemon, but he was the most thuggish of the thugs I ever met that thugged. Like, <laughs> my man walked in with a Pokemon, like a $20,000 gold chain of a Pokemon. Great attitude, great dude, but definitely my man has seen some hard streets. But he loves Pokemon. We were talking about that. There was a young kid that came in there with his dog. And this kid saw himself in this man. Because this man talked to him like an adult. Mm-hmm. And talked about what they love and everything about it as a as an equal. So this big, tough, scary tough, guy big, tough, bonded scary guy, with this little kid. Man on Earth. Bonded with this little kid over young Pokemon. Kid. And the little kid was like, you could be cool and into Pokemon. I was like, yo, you could be a badass dude and into Pokemon. Apparently. And the same thing with comics and Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm-hmm. and all that stuff. You could be the toughest guy in the room, but you have a passion for this. And it's not about being tough. It's about sometimes you come from a rough area, but sometimes you can't be an individual. And this guy showed this young man, you can be an individual. You can be who you want to be no matter what you are. It won't change you for having to be what you love. It does not change who you are as a good person. We're going to change the name of this podcast from the Queen's Comic Podcast to Billion Ian's Motivational Speaking. <laughs> Dude, I love the guy. I invited him to our show. Hopefully he, he comes. Yeah, he was more of a... I told him I'll make him a nutcracker. And he couldn't stop laughing. He was like, I'm down. Uh, I love guys like that because you need a new generation into this stuff mm-hmm. for it to mean anything. And this, and 
the, I, the the light in this kid's eyes gave him hope that you could be so cool in school. Well, and that ties back to the conversation I had with the guy who ran the Forest Hills High School show. Yeah. If kids aren't into comics, comics cease to exist. Bingo. Because they die 100%. out. Like, if they die out with our generation, then what happens? Yes. You know, are people still going to read them? Are they just going to read them digitally? Um, are they still going to buy paper copies? I mean, if we don't get kids into it, the comic stores go out of business in a couple of years. Do you want to, you want to laugh because we were in Forest Hills? Um, you know, Forest Hills and the Ramones is all part of the comic book history now because a lot of people say the greatest theory about why punk rock was created was because comic books had a comic authority on it now and you couldn't do crazy comics. So a lot of people were bored and just found something else to vent and it became punk rock. Well, there you go. Yeah, and it was a weird, like, dynamic. Like, uh, we always talk about we're going to do one big, um, a seduction of an innocent podcast talking about it in the long run, but punk rock is definitely a big part of it because, um, in the history of like comics, they mentioned it like, yo, people need somewhere to vent, and punk rock showed up not too far after. Mm -hmm. And he started with garage rock and all that stuff in the late 60s and into that. And I'm right. like, wow, what a what a bridge. Well, and the underground comics movement started around the same time, too. Bingo, yeah, bingo, no authority, no code, mm -hmm. but on a mass on a wider mass, punk rock. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. And that's the stuff. And that's what me and uh, actually Ian bonded over the first time we met. That's how we started talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was about New York hardcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, which I still got to go to that comic store in, in uh, Hudson and Hastings. Or Dobbs, Dobbs Ferry. Ferry. Dobbs, Dobbs Ferry. Ferry. You know what? I'm going to be in Dobbs Ferry on Monday. If they're open, I might swing by. Swing by. Yeah. Um, there's also a record store over there called Clockwork Records. Yes, Clockwork so, yeah. Records is awesome. I love that guy because he... Mm -hmm. He, I learned how to buy from that man. He's that big skinhead dude, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, he's great. I learned to buy from him. He never insults you while he buys records. He mm -hmm. just goes through and talks to you. Hey, how are you? Cool guy. Great guy. But then he was like, but I talked to him later on. He's like, no, I'm going to sell more in my store. But I don't want to be like insulting to you that, oh, you're not charging enough. And I was like, well, what a great guy. Yeah. Because I know what they're worth. I just didn't. I, maybe I should have never sold uh, Phantom. Uh, the uh, But you're Phantom. talking about when you sold off your record collection. No, no, this is years ago. Okay. When we used to do the punk rock flea market in Sage Bar. Oh, okay. There was a movie called, um, it's um. You definitely know what it is called. It's like something mask, uh, a phantasm mask or something like that. But it's a um, uh, Phantom of the Phantom of the Opera type ma uh, movie. But it's like a B movie. That's not specific. Enough. No, no, it <laughs> has a like bunch a of robot those. mask and it has a crazy soundtrack. I'm a f uh, oh Danger Diabolique. No, 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 no. It's something. It's something that's like I think an Elton John type uh, record. But like, um, it's a character who's like a Phantom of the Opera, but it's more cyber like. Uh, it's more of a B-movie. Phantom of album. Paradise. Phantom of Paradise. Yes. I sold that record to him for 30 and he was like, okay. I sold my stuff for like 200 Yeah. And I was like, go for it because I got it for a dollar. That movie rules. Yeah, yeah, but I have it. But I haven't had a chance to watch it. It's like Light Force. It's like a movie right. I've seen and heard about. I have it on Blu-ray. I haven't watched it mm -hmm. yet. Life Force is also great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, going to say you're going to be in love with Matilda May when that movie's over. I know, I know. <laughs> um, you know the funny part is I'm more in love with the soundtracks of these films and I've never seen some of them. Yep. You know, and then that's the, the Phantom of Paradise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, I wish I had it now. I would give it to you. Because I found oh, I have book. it. Oh, you mean oh, the soundtrack? The record. Oh, the I don't have the soundtrack. I have the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I was blown away by stuff like that. I love weird stuff like that. Yeah. That's a movie. It's like, uh, you know what's my favorite horror movie that's really stupid? I have no idea. It's Rocktober Blood. Because <laughs> Billy's back from hell and yep. he wants to get yep. revenge. And I can't <laughs> stop laughing at that. But, uh, you just like it because it's got a guy named Billy in it. Bingo. That's Bingo. Why, uh, Bingo. Favorite line from Minor Threat is, how are you doing? I don't believe we've met. My name is Ian, and I'm a Minor Threat. <laughs> there aren't a lot of songs that name drop Ian, so yeah, true, take, true, true. take what you can get. Um, you know what it is? I'm a big box fan. That's why. I like those big VHS boxes. Mm -hmm. October Blood has a great cover. It does. It absolutely mm -hmm. does. Um, 
We have anything else? Oh, we still have to do underground of the week. We do. We do. Uh, I have one. I'm gonna move the water bottle away so they don't spill on it. Sorry, motorcycle foot finally shows up to bother us. Yep. All right. So, um, yeah. Shout out to Newt as always for the underground of the week, but also to Super Magic Bob. Who's Super Magic Bob? I was waiting for you to ask. So at the Queen's Comic Party in Woodside last year, an older gentleman came up to me, and I had a bunch of Corbin. He collects Corbin rights and a lot of stuff that I collect that I talk about ad nauseum on this show. He collects as well. And so he said, oh, let me get your email. I might have some duplicates that you might be interested in. Maybe we can work something out. So I said, okay. So I won't give his full email address on the air, obviously, but it was supermagicbob at. And so now he's supermagicbob in my head. And what a great name. Yeah, yeah. And he's awesome. He's, he's I'm going to guess late 60s, early 70s. So he's got a few years on me. Nicest guy. Has been buying comics since he was a kid and has held on to almost all of them. What does he look like? He's a shorter guy. Um, gray beard, looks like George R. Yeah, Martin. Looks like cross between George R. Martin and Santa Claus. Yeah. I have a great story about that guy. Okay. Uh, we met him at Royal Con. And we introduced him to a young kid who was like 17, 18, that mm-hmm. was just getting into comics. They started hunting together. That's awesome. Yeah, because the kid uh, was like, oh, what do you think? And he would help him. That's, uh-huh. that's how bad. And then he would find out new books from him. Yeah. And they would just meet up at these shows. And it's like the, the oldest guy who comes to my show he's the, with the youngest he's, guy. He's, he's super nice. And yeah, extreme, what a combo. extremely knowledgeable. Yes. Especially about, like, including underground stuff, not just the Marvel and DC stuff. And complete so. gentleman about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, polite. That's, the hard, because that's why I don't like the people who don't read comics. Mm-hmm. Because they're very insulting. Yeah. And they don't get it that you're like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm just here for comics. Super Magic Bob knows what he has. He knows what it's worth. He's not going to, he's, he's not the guy you're going to get a $100 book for a dollar from. But yeah. So he and I were exchanging emails and he asked me if I was going to be at the, the last one set up in Woodside. I said I was. And he, he came by with uh, a small stack of books and we were able to make a trade for a few of them. And one of the books that I got is Grimwit number one. It's a first print. 100% gore, it says on the cover from Ripoff Press. It's a Corbin book. Which is going to surprise nobody who listens to this podcast. Yeah, but how many books did Corbin do, man? He did a lot. Yeah, but like, yeah. and then not to be picked up as mu- as much as he should have been. No, because his work is so good. Mm-hmm. And the first story is called it's the Clean. The Art in This. It's always clean. It's too. always super clean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Art in This. You know, it, it, this is some more adult material that is some of his more mainstream stuff, like he did for Marvel or DC. The medieval story. Yeah, it's called cool. The Beast of Wolfton. I mean, and, man, that guy loves building bricks and castles. He loves bricks and castles and boobs. Yes. And, no uh, one jumps at that one. There's, there's a lot of boobs in this story. And, and they Templar are, Knights. Yeah, Templar Knights, uh, big, wonderful breasts, and uh, monstrous-looking men, and a werewolf. When it's called the Beast of Wolf, then you kind of figure there's going to be a beast and that he might be a wolf. Yeah, he's a, he's definitely a good um, good monster guy for, he's like, a great uh, monster guy, hair yeah. and all. Monsters and teeth. And oh, yeah, just the detail that he manages to yeah. get into everything. And it's all clean, wild. which is hard from the ground books. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So anyway, yeah, this story, The Beast of Wolfton, is is a knight's and big-breasted lady versus werewolf story. It's, it's not especially deep, but I mean, check out the artwork. This I'm, I'm actually pointing to a sex panel right yeah. now to Billy. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's intense. It's intense. Yeah, like, and the anatomy, just on like, not on the female figure, but on the male figure as well. Like, every muscle, every bit of sinew, every bit of, like, bone and texture and teeth and hair like it's all there look at the face the face the expression on her face no. is wild and the expression on his because he's turning into a werewolf while he's having sex with the lady with the big boobs no but um, it's the bottom four panels yeah change. that's what i'm trying to back. say yep you know the man masters like mm-hmm. uh like the art form 
Yeah. And there's a second uh, story in here called Necromancer, which is more of a sci-fi thing where uh, a man and another big-breasted naked lady are, are set in some sort of dystopic future where they, they have to fight some, I don't know what you call them, raider types, I guess. Monster he, raider type guys. Did he do any heavy metal part of the movie or is it in the Den. comics? Oh, the end? Den. Den? The Den story. Okay, yeah. good, good. Because yeah. I was like, wait a second, he had to have done it. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's a quick look at Grimwit, and that was that was a, a pickup from Super Magic Bob that I was quite happy to get. First prints are not easy to come by. Got a little staple rust, but it's in decent enough shape. I love those stuff. Like me, I'm I'm more of like uh, collecting Love and Rockets type thing, but uh-huh. I'm a trade guy. And uh, none of these books, like somehow nobody knows who owns the rights to anything. So grab what you can. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dark Horse is currently in collaboration with Corbin's widow, Donna Corbin doing a series of collected editions. And the first one just came out about two weeks ago. It's called Murky World. Yeah. And it's a collection of more recent stuff. And it was, in my opinion, kind of an odd one to start with. But the next three volumes are going to be um, the Den stories. So they're probably going to collect everything that was in the heavy metal run. And then he did um, a run just called Den through his own Fantagore Press in the 80s. And then there was uh, a couple of sequels after that that I think were published through Fantagore and maybe one through Dark Horse as well. Hardcovers? So there's going to be three hardcovers for the Den series. I'm more, I've been into their EC run where mm-hmm. it's a soft cover for 20 bucks. Right. But for Richard Corbin, I already have one. I've creepy with Richard Corbin. Yeah. So I don't mind adding those, it to that pile. Those creepy collections are out of print and pricey now. Hold on to those. Yeah, I have Alex Toth, Bernie Wrightson. Do you have the Dicko one as well? No, that okay. one I need to get. And I got the random Eerie Presents Hunter. Like, I need to get more of them. Okay, yeah. Well, there's only the four. What, four? Oh, it's yeah. all... Oh, Dicko, so Dicko is the fourth one. And then there's, like, hardcovers of, like, specific, like, issues one through ten and issues ten through twenty oh, or whatever. I just gave uh, I just gave that to uh, Ryan, a uh, new young lady who helps us with the comics, uh, Queen's Comic Party. I They just came out in those versions of Creepy or of, um, as the EC books, where it's coming out as a soft cover for 20 I grabbed her that first ten issues to read. Yeah. So I gave it to her. She Which one? Back to me. Which one? Creepy. One to ten. Oh, okay. It just came out last week. So it's in soft cover now. Soft cover, yeah. Okay. So I love stuff like that. I love soft cover because I want to be able to read it. But yeah. the hard covers, I'm very meticulous about the spine. So my problem with Dark Horse, I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my issue with so they they did like a matte finish on the dust jacket for the Murky World hardcover, mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. It has like gold embossed border around it. It really presents the artwork on the front frame beautifully. It looks amazing, and it shows every. I don't know if I'm just a greaseball, but it shows every fingerprint. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On that matte black finish. It's not that. It's yeah. not that. It's just that everybody has fingerprints right, everywhere. Right. Right. Just we're used to like. You've gone back to paper after years of using that like, ultra card stock, whatever mm-hmm. they called it, and now when you see it again, you're like. Oh, yeah, don't. yeah. So I was like, literally, like holding a paper towel in my hand while I was <laughs> oh, wow. first up to take the dust jacket off because, like, I don't want fingerprints stuck on this thing. It wasn't like crazy expensive. I think I paid twenty five, maybe thirty dollars for it, it's which nice for a, for a nice hardcover, I don't mind putting that down for it, especially when it's one of my favorite artists. But because it's one of my favorite artists, it's like I want to keep it pristine. I need to find a like a, a proper bag for it too. You can't find proper bags for like hardcover books and stuff. They're either too big or too small. It took me forever to find uh, zines. Yeah. Because I found the manga bags fit in them, but mm-hmm. you can't fit a bag and board, and I love boards. I have a trimmer just for that, so sometimes you'll hear me downstairs just cutting paper. You gave me some of those for some mini comics. Yeah, I was like, yeah. those are for the zines. I yeah. love zines. But like for mag- trades, I hate that. <clears throat> I put Golden Age books over it and all that stuff. It yep. still doesn't help. Yep. Well, I think this is the end of this episode. 
Yeah, that works. We're uh, pushing the 40-minute mark. So Yeah, yeah. We're trying to make it more listenable for you folks because I know we can babble on. And also, we're trying to not jump onto another subject <laughs> because our next episode's coming up soon. Um, thanks for listening. I'm Billy Bombs. I'm Ian. Oh, and we should talk before we log off about the upcoming Brooklyn show. Oh, if you are listening, please come out to our June 11th show in uh, 2023 in uh, Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Invasion. The only reason I say this is because some people listen to our show later on. But if you're available and, and you're listening beforehand, look on the Queen's Comic Podcast Instagram or website and um, and then come visit us and come hang out. It's $5 uh, this show because it's a bigger show. But we do a portion of it goes out to uh, multiple charities. Yes, and we should give them the website address, which is queenscomicparty.com, and the Instagram handle, which is... Queen's Comic Party. There you go. All right. We're good. All right. See you later, folks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>